All right, ladies, welcome. So it's uh, Megillat Rut with Perusha Malbim. Now we started uh, this this unbelievable drama last week, and it only gets better. At this point, Ruth and Naomi, Ruth being the daughter-in-law, Naomi, the mother-in-law, are making their way back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is in Israel. And uh, Orpah, the sister of Ruth, already went back home. Naomi tells Ruth, you know, go back with your, uh, with your sister. I have nothing to offer you. And uh, Ruth says, Al-Tifki'ibi, don't uh, entreat me, don't force me, don't pressure me, Lashuv ma'acharayich, to go back. Ki el asher telechi elech. Where you walk, I will walk. Thank you. Appreciate it. Which means, I have the same intention as you have. I want to go to Eretz Yisrael to fulfill the mitzvot. Just like you're going to Israel to do mitzvot. She's not only do I want to go where you go, but I have the same intention. Ba'asher telechi elech. Uba'asher talini alin. Which means, according to the Malbim, in the way you uh, literally uh, rest, I want to rest like you. It means to say is that I come from the same understanding that this world is temporary and therefore I know that this world is only a resting place and the next world is the permanent place and therefore she's telling her mother-in-law that I have the same thinking as you have. I understand that this world is only a hotel. What pasuk? Uh, now it's going to be Yud Zayin. In Pedic Aleph, it's actually... Uh, Ted Zion, good Zion coming up. I mean, you have Pedic Bet probably on yeah, the paper, but Pedic Aleph always leads to Pedic Bet. Amech Ami. Your nation is my nation, and your God is my God. So at this point, Ruth is accepting upon herself uh, conversion. Now, if you want to go into a deeper explanation, She's saying, wherever you're allowed to walk, because Jews have restrictions where they're allowed to walk on Shabbat, they're not allowed to walk outside of the parameters of the city. So she was saying, wherever you're allowed to walk, I want to walk in the same places. And Ba'ashir Talini Alin, we have restrictions on who we're allowed to be with. And therefore she says, I accept the same restrictions. Whoever you are allowed to uh, rest with, in a different sense, so too I accept that as well. And then she says, tamuti <clears throat> amut." In the way you die, I want to die as well, which means I want to merit to have kivurat Israel, not like the goyim that they cremate themselves and they throw their ashes in the seven seas or they put it in, a, in an ashtray on top of the piano. Ba'asher tamuti amut, which means I want to have Jewish burial. Besham ekaber, and I want to be buried in that place with the Sadiqim. Now this is a very important line. The simple explanation of this line means that the only thing that will separate us is death itself. death, Yafrid will separate But this is something more significant what she's saying. She's saying, why do I want to convert? What's the reason why I want to become Jewish? Because I understand that although uh, in this world you might not see a big difference, but when a Jew dies and a non-Jew dies, then already ki hamavet yafrid. In death, then you see already where the Jews go and where everybody else goes. And therefore, I don't want to be uh, separated from you at that moment of Mavit. Ki hamavet yafrid. Because since at the time of death, the tzaddikim, the Jews, end up in a higher place next to the Shekhinah, and everybody else has different areas. Ki hamavet yafrid. I understand that time of death, and therefore, I accept upon myself 
the conversion. Now, Ruth is adamant. Naomi is doing what she's supposed to do. We don't accept converts with an open hand. We are supposed to talk them out of it. Why? If somebody's coming to convert, why not say, Baruch Abba? It's very generous of them. Why do we have to talk them out of it? So I'll tell you what the Gemara says. Baruch Atah There's two reasons, or two different approaches. One approach is like this. Converts make us look bad. Because we're Jewish people, and sometimes we don't do the right thing. Then you have some goy that all of a sudden joins the club, and they're mahmir, and they're strict, and they're meticulous on every single item. And then in the heaven, they come along and say, look at this guy. Yesterday, the guy was praying in the, in the church. And now the guy has every single stringency. Even the Jews don't have the, the stringency. So therefore, the convert a lot of times incriminates the, uh, the old timers like us. So that's why we try to dissuade them. There's another approach to Gemara says why we try to push them away. It's because the opposite. Since a lot of times it's difficult for converts to leave their, their old ways. Uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, as they say, and usually people revert back to their, their old ways, especially their childhood ways, and this is a big change. You're telling somebody you have to change yourself 180 degrees, so we're concerned that converts, after they convert, are going to go back to being whatever you are, but now they're living with us. And now we have a bad model, or bad role model, in our midst, which means they're going to go back being, let's say, uh, not religious, but it's too late. Once you're Jewish, you see, you, you can't unJewify yourself. It's hard to get in, but once you're in, you, you can't get out. So all these people that come along and say, oh, I renounced my Judaism already. You can't renounce your Judaism. Just, just like you can't renounce your brown eyes. It is what it is. You can't change those things. So therefore, once she's Jewish, we're worried that she might go back to old ways, but it's too late. She's living in the community. Now we have a, a bad Jew walking around, and our children are going to learn from that. So but there's two different approaches. But she was stubborn in a good way. Naomi saw that Ruth was mitametzet. She was uh, tenacious. She was stubborn. She was being, you know, uh, um, hard headed in this. She was not being, you know, flexible. So she stopped talking to her, and that means uh, she accepted. The word shetehem implies that now they were, they were equal. They went with equal, not only destination, but they went with equal intention. They go back to Eris Israel in order to perform uh, the mitzvot. This is a quite, a quite sad uh, uh, pasuk over here. Torah then comes along and says, when she gets back home, but the home means they were stunned, the people. And they said, Hazot Naomi? Is this Naomi? Naomi used to be an aristocrat. She used to have an entourage. She used to have all the, uh, the trimmings of a rich lady. And now the people saw her and they said, could it be? This, the Naomi, this was the, 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 the wife of Elimelech, the richest man of the generation. Look at her. So she turns to them and says, You don't have to call me Naomi. My new name is Mara. Mara means bitter. From the language Mar. Maror. Correct, but it doesn't mean that over here. This means mara meaning bitter. Because God has embittered my life a lot. Now, the question over here that Malbim asks, what do you mean, Naomi? Her name was still Naomi. So why is she saying, don't call me Naomi anymore? I have a new name. We didn't read about her name change. What does it mean all of a sudden now she's called Mara? I mean, the name fits her because Halita, she had a, a bitter experience, but why is she saying, don't call me Naomi? But that's your name. So Mabim says beautiful. This is a deep explanation. He says, 
that when a person is very wealthy and then they lose a lot of their money, but they still have, they still have. So in order to point out to everybody that you want to show how much they had, you say, wow, she used to have so much and now she only has this. That's when you want to compare what she was to what she is now. Now, even though she might be rich now, but you say, compared to what she had, uh, you don't know what she was. So if somebody was a billionaire and then became a millionaire, now, a millionaire is not bad, but you have to point out that even though she has a million dollars, you don't know what she was. She was uh, a billionaireess, and now she only has a million dollars. So you need to make that contrast so everybody knows. Don't think that she's a millionaire like everybody else. She's coming from a much wealthier and a much more higher place. Understand? However, that's only because you need to explain to people that even though she's a millionaire, it's not what you think. But let's say a person has nothing. A person has zero. Then you don't have to explain what she was. You see it right now that she's poor according to all standards. You don't need to compare it to anything. Somebody that doesn't have a penny in their pocket, you don't have to say, wow, look what she was, now we see what she is. You don't need to compare. And therefore, Naomi was saying like this, you think that I have money in the bank. You think I'm coming back to Israel because my husband left me some bonds and some real estate and some properties. And, and therefore, you, you just think that, oh, she used to be Naomi, the very wealthy, and now, uh, you know, she lost some of us assets, but don't worry, she's good. No, you don't, you don't have to mention Naomi. I have nothing. So according to all standards, I am poor. Naomi. You don't have to say, oh, she used to be the Naomi that has this. Now she fell from her stature. She only has that. So for Naomi, it's considered a downgrade. Naomi saying, no. This is not only a downgrade for me. When you don't have a penny in your pocket, it's poverty for everybody. Don't mention, you don't have to mention what I was. In order to, because I don't have any money in the bank and my husband didn't leave me too much either. So I'm coming from nothing and I'm going to nothing. It's true. I had a lot. I don't have a little left over. I have nothing. nothing. You know what happens sometimes? The people are very wealthy. And then you hear, and they say, oh, you heard? The guy lost uh, $10 million in the stock market. But then what do they say? But don't worry. He's good. He's good. Don't worry. Don't, worry. don't cry. You don't, you don't have to make a bag sale for me. He's okay. He'll be okay. He has a lot of money. He'll, he'll be fine. So Naomi says, you're thinking that I used to be Naomi. But now, although I lost a lot, but I'm good. I'm telling you. I had a lot, and now I have zero, which is, which is an amazing admission over here. V'ashem anabi, God uh, brought me to this uh, uh, level of poverty. V'shaddai herali. At this point, v'tashuv naomi verutamu aviyah kalata ima. This is very significant. Here it refers to again, azrut hamu aviyah kalata ima. She comes with Rutami Mu'aviyah. Now you must appreciate what I'm going to say. Ruth is going now into a community that accepts converts. I mean, Ruth would have a hard time if she came here. But she came to Israel and they accepted converts. The problem is, it wasn't so acceptable to accept converts from where she came from. Because she was Ruth Mu'aviyah. And the Mu'avi people were, they were X-listed. They were, they were put on the blacklist, let's put it that way. And through the story, you'll see exactly why. So it's not like she was going into some situation where the Shadchanim were all over. It's, oh, a new girl on the block. Okay, what's your name? Fill out the form. Once she fills out, uh, who's your father? Eglon, the king of Mu'av. They don't want to touch it. Oh, Mu'av, we don't, we, don't, we don't do Mu'av. You can't find, no, we're not allowed to accept so the pasuk is saying, "Beruta Mu'aviyah, Kalata Ima the Dorno of Naomi." So could you imagine the scene? Now they see this destitute woman Naomi, 
who doesn't even want to be called by her name anymore. She's Bara. And who is she with? A Moavi daughter-in-law. That is the most unappealing uh, uh, at the time or un, unattractive, I don't mean physically, but in, 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 in the nation, it's considered a low lineage. I said, look at this lady. Look at this lady. That's who she's left with. The only asset she has in her name is what? This daughter-in-law that comes from Moab. Vehema ba'u Bethlehem. They came to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Bethilat ketzir se'urim. They arrive in the beginning of the harvest. Dear ladies, why do I need to know when they arrived? So, very good, ladies. I'll, so I'll, I'll elaborate. The Malbim says like this. Elimelech did have a field. And that field belonged to Naomi. She's the only heir to the state. And not only does she belong to the field, but Ruth has a stake in that field also because she is married to, or was married to, Mahlon, which is the daughter of Elimelech. So they went back to the property, and thank God for their luck, the property was uninhabited. So they were able to at least have a piece of real estate. Now, if you have real estate, she had a farm. If you have a farm, you have Parnassah. The only problem was they came back at the time of the reaping. So she couldn't plant anything for that season. So therefore the field would not help her. You understand? If they would have came back in the, in the winter time, in Tishri time, Sukkot time, it's perfect timing. They would have made a garden, they would have planted. A few months later, you have, you, have, you, have, you, have, you have what to eat. She came around Shavuot time. And that's one of the reasons why we read this story on Shavuot, because the story happens at the time of Shavuot, and the Torah is telling us, therefore they couldn't even benefit from the real estate that uh, they, they received. You can't eat the dirt. So the Pasuk says, well, Naomi, regarding Naomi, Perik Bet, now you can follow inside. Moda Isha, which means she was related to a, to a man. A man that was related to her husband. And his name was Boaz. Now Boaz was one of the most famous men in the community. He actually was the Shofet. You know the book of Judges, the book of Shofetim? Boaz actually is not called Boaz in the book of Shofetim. He's called Ibsan. Ibsan was one of the judges. So Boaz is a very, very high figure, and he's a wealthy man, and he's related to Naomi. So now, it would be very, very normal for Naomi to go to a relative Boaz and say, listen, uh, cousin, I'm down and out, I don't have any money, I have nothing to my name, maybe you could help me out. And Boaz was a Sadiq, he would give it to her in, in a minute. However... Naomi was a little uh, embarrassed. I guess she's a wealthy woman. She was a regal woman. She doesn't know how to ask people for, for what is she asking for? Food stamps, for, 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 for welfare, for, 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 for charity. She never even knew what these things were. So therefore, she didn't want to... So the person was saying that even though she was related to Boaz, and even though it's related to Elimelech, and even though we know that he was a, a great man, the Pasuk is referring to him as Ishki Borhail, he was a man of valor. That means he would never have refused uh, Ruth or Naomi if he was asked. However, Vatomer Ruta el Naomi, Ruth sees that Naomi does not want to ask Boaz. So look at Sadeket Ruth is. El I will go to the fields. And I will collect the stalks. Listen, what is she saying? Ruth is offering that if her mother-in-law is embarrassed to ask Boaz for a tzedakah, for sure she's going to be embarrassed to take a basket and go to the fields and start picking up the leftovers, the gleanings from the field. Now, mind you, Ruth is not any less aristocratic than Naomi. Exactly. She's a princess. So if Naomi's not used to being poor, 
Ruth sleeps on satin sheets and she has a butler and she never puts her feet on the f- cold floor and everything is, uh, 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 you know, she's uh, spoiled. But look at the tzaddiket. She tells her mother-in-law, I'll go collect. Just tell me what to do. So Naomi teaches her the laws of lekech chad pe'ah. When you go to a field and the farmer cuts the stalks that he leaves and he forgets as he's cutting, as he's carrying, those are for the poor people. The corners of the field are called pe'ah. If you get there early, you go fight with the aniim because it's a, it's, a, it's a wrestling match at pe'ah and they fight and they can even pull it out of each other's hands. So it, it's good. This is, this is what Ruth has to get involved with. They go fight with the aniim in order to get a few stalks of wheat. But she says, I mean, but Naomi, I will go to the field. And I will collect the stalks. And I hope I will find favor in the owner of the field. Which means, I hope they're nice to me. I'm going blind. Now, she doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't have a, a map. She doesn't know that it's Naomi. No, she knows. No, she's not going. She doesn't know she's going to Boaz, but she didn't tell her where to go. Which means Naomi would have normally said, listen, we have a cousin. Why don't you go to his field? She didn't tell her that. Because she was embarrassed. So she says, good luck. It should be with you. Now, the amazing thing is going to be, there's hundreds of fields. She does not following any guidance. And which field do you think she's going to land in? Of course, of course, Boaz. And that, of Ken, is showing you the divine providence that God wants to bring Ruth and Boaz together. So, in Hebrew, they use the word mikre. Mikre means exactly a coincidence, or you want to be more uh, sophisticated, they say happenstance. Usually, McClear sounds like, oh, what a coincidence. You know, you bump into somebody. Oh, look, I was just thinking about you. Unbelievable. Now, we don't believe in that. We believe that everything is divinely ordained. We believe in what's called Hashkaha Peratit, which is divine providence. You have to believe that. So, here we're going to start to read about amazing coincidences that will happen, which obviously is of the divine providence level. So, the Torah tells us. Batelech, she went. Batavo. Now it seems there was not so much time between when she set out until when she came. So she went to one of the closest fields. Batilaket basadeh. And she started to collect uh, the gleanings in the field. Ahareh kotsirim. And this is significant. What does it mean, ahareh kotsirim? This is the first time doing this. Instead of going to the corners of the field where all the, the action is, because that's where the, a lot of the corners are, it's a lot of stuff, but it's rowdy over there. The Anim fight with each other, like I told you. She says, I'm not going to get involved fighting with anybody. She was, too, she was too modest. So she's following the cutters. As they cut, she's walking behind them. And whatever they forget, she puts it in a little uh, basket. And all of a sudden, we have mikreh, a coincidence. But the Torah doesn't call it mikre, it says mikre ha. Mikre ha means it's ha coincidence. Meaning, this is a tailor-made coincidence. And, when you, and we have a word for tailor-made coincidence. Divine providence. Uh-huh. <laughs> a tailor-made coincidence means God made sure that this coincidence happens for ha. And what was the coincidence? <laughs> she lands at Boaz's in Boaz's field. And what happens? Another coincidence. Anytime you see the word it means surprise. Hine introduces, huh? <laughs> Look at this. Happy birthday. Hine showed up. When Boaz showed up to the field, everybody said, what? The boss is here. The boss never comes to the field. The boss is in the office. The boss is away. He has the managers. He has all the other people taking you. Very rarely would Boaz show up in the middle of the day to check out what's going on in the field. Happens to be the day that Ruth is out there in the field. Who shows up? Surprise. Keyword. And that's part of Mikreha. Look at the Kadosh Baruch Hu. How he's setting up. He's setting up everything. And what is he really setting up? 
he's setting up the marriage of Boaz to Ruth. Ultimately, he's setting up to bring Mashiach into the world. And you can't stop the divine providence. I just want to interrupt my words with a, with, with a very important point. Recently, I said over the following Hadush that was connected to what we just read. The Gemara is talking about uh, how God makes zivugim, matches. He matches A with B. And the Gemara says that it's, it is difficult to God to make matches in marriage as Kiryat Yamsuf, as the splitting of the sea. And everybody questions, what's the analogy between making matches and splitting of the sea? God says, oh, it's just difficult, the splitting of the sea. The splitting of the sea is actually not bringing two things together. It's actually splitting something. So it's not even a fair mashal. But we said the following. And if you think back, you'll know a lot of stories like this. The splitting of the sea is something that happened without anybody expecting it. When the Jews were standing in front of Yamsuf and the Egyptians were behind them. Now, nobody saw the movie at that point, so they didn't know what was going to happen. And they didn't have a humash yet to say, wait, wait, let's open up the parashat, b'shallah, let's see coming attractions. So it's happening in real time. So when they get to Yamsuf, if you would survey the people that were there, what's going to happen now? Either we drown or we get trampled by the Egyptians. No, Hashem's going to save us. Okay, you give us the hundred ways you think Hashem's going to save you. I don't think anybody would have said that the sea is going to split into 12 lanes and the Jews are going to walk on dry land. Just like if you were standing by the Atlantic Ocean, you would never have imagined for a minute that this sea can split and all of a sudden you're going to walk on the seabed across. It doesn't even add to your mind. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who's involved in the divine providence of things, he surprises you and he does things that you least expect, when you least expect it. And that's the same thing with Zivugim. When you least expect, and you're not prepared for it, and you're not, you know, even uh, anticipating it, Borei Olam all of a sudden, but introduce you to your Zivug. You weren't on a date, you weren't thinking, you weren't even dressed to go out on a date, it wasn't on your mind, all of a sudden, but that, it hit. And everybody has a story like that. Well, I was at a place, and all of a sudden... And that's what happens over here. If you ask Ruth, that day, where are you going? Where am I going? She didn't put on fancy, nice clothes. She puts on the clothes of a beggar. That's all she has. No makeup. She's not going on a shiduch. Where are you going? I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to, to, to fill up my uh, little red riding hood basket with, 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 with uh, wheat. Uh, maybe I'll give my mother-in-law some, uh, something to eat for dinner tonight. Oh, you're not going on a date? Do I look like I'm going on a date? What date? They won't even marry me. I'm Moabiyah. I don't even have status. The Shad won't even take my name. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Borei Olam says she doesn't even know what she's doing. She's going now on the biggest date of her life. And she doesn't even know what she's doing. She doesn't even expect it. And all of a sudden, Borei Olam brings her to the field of Boaz. Who shows up? The man, the groom. Ah? And right away, what does the Pasuk say? He tells the Kotzerim, those are the workers, Hashem imachem, God should be with you. And they answer it back, God should be with you, God should bless you. This was Boaz's uh, uh, institution. In his time he made an institution that anytime somebody sees their friend, they're allowed to invoke the name of God and say, God should be with you. It was in Arabic, Allah ma'ak. So they would say, Hashem imachem, God should be with you. And then the response for that would be, we still use this custom today. When a boy or a man goes up to the Sefer Torah, and the first thing he tells to the congregation, Adonai Mechim. And what do they answer back? And therefore, it was his institution. This is the way he tried to bring God back into the people's vernacular. By the way, he turns to the guy next to him, his aide. The manager of the Kotsirim. Who's this girl over here? He was curious. What was he curious for? All the other girls are on the corners of the field taking pe'ah. And she's all alone over here following the kotserim. So he thought that maybe, and he also saw, as we're going to see, her basket was filled. She had a lot. So she, he's thinking maybe one of the kotserim 
brought their daughter to work. You know, bring your daughter to work week. So he asked, To which one of the Kotsarim does this Na'ara belong? Because there's no way she can have that much unless, you know, the father took her to work with her and he's uh, putting some stuff in the basket. And now Boaz was the boss. They say, hey, what's going on over here? Every guy's going to bring their daughter to work now and start filling up the basket. So we're going to be out of business over here. So he wants to understand what's going on. He doesn't, at this point, he doesn't even know she's a poor lady. To which one of you belongs this girl? So the manager of the Kutsirim says, No, she's not one of us. She's a Na'ara Mu'aviyah. And she actually came back with Na'umi. Now, you, you can't imagine when Boaz hears the word Naomi. What are you talking about? Naomi, that's, that's my cousin. That's my family. This girl came back with Naomi. Vatomer, and she said, meaning the, the guy's explaining Ruth's uh, intention. So she said, I don't want to go to the corners of the field. I want to follow the, the kotserim, the cutters. And to answer your question why she has so much stuff in her basket... She didn't steal anything. She's been here from the morning until now. And therefore, this is not, uh, uh, she's not skimming off the top. She just went in the house for a minute to sit down. She just sat down now. Because when Boaz came, already she was resting. So Boaz said, what do you mean? She's resting. She has a bag, for, a sack full of, of stuff. So they say, no, 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 no. First of all, she doesn't belong to us. She's an aniyah. She's poor. And second, she was here from all the, the morning, all the way that. You, she just a second sat down. Oh. So my point is, that's the analogy to Kiryat Yamsuf. When you least expect it, that's when the shidduch comes sometimes. So therefore, all the preparations that you're making, it's going to come as a surprise to you. And when the root looks back, at when she met Boaz, he says, on that day, the last thing in my mind was that I thought I'm going to meet my husband. And that's what had happened. Just like the Jews at Kiryat Yom Suf would have said, the last thing we thought that's going to happen on that day was the splitting of the sea. And, and it happened. So that's the, it's the surprise factor of that. It happens a lot of times, you know, without any warning or uh, preparation. As, uh, I'm not going to tell you my stories. I told a personal story last night. Whoever heard it, heard it. You know, that's a, that was considered that a, uh, a rarity. Bayomir Boaz el Rut. Now the Gemara says that he was attracted to Rut for the following reasons. The way she collected the, uh, the leket. She was very, very elegant in the way she did it. You know, she didn't bend over and she wasn't, you know, uh, in an immodest way. She kneeled down in a proper way. And he saw royalty in that. You know, there's a, there's a class. You see class in people, the way they, you know, behave and the way they act. And So right away, Boaz, who was from royalty, he's from the tribe of Yehuda. He knows what royalty is. He said, ho, ho, this girl over here has the right, uh, you know, she doesn't, uh, you know, like all the other anim. Unfortunately, anim... Because they, I mean, they're not brought up with, uh, let's say, the same, uh, the same culture of, you know, aristocracy. They're poor people, they grab, they're taking, survival of the fittest, jungle. And here, Ruth, she has different derecheretz. Uh, so he noticed it. Right away, he goes to her. This is the first date. I want you to understand. She receives now a private invitation, VIP invitation. I don't want you going to other, any, any other fields. Not only any other fields that belong to any other people, but even in my fields, I only want you to come to this one, because you had a lot of fields. I want you to come to this one, because I'm going to set you up over here now. I'm going to tell the workers to make sure they give you the right... Treatment over here. So make sure whenever you come to collect, you come over here. I'm going to set you up with the girls. She, he saw that she was a modest lady. 
It's not masva to walk behind the men who are cutting the uh, the leket. So they were just, I'm going to set you up with Na'arotai with the with the female staff. When you see that they're cutting the field, follow them. Already I told my men, nobody could touch you. Which means, I don't only give you permission to take what the poor people are allowed to take. I'm giving you permission to take whatever you want to take. And don't worry, I told the Na'arim already, they can't touch you. Meaning, he told already the people there, she's a you know, very important uh, person, and therefore do not uh, check her bags on the way out. Let her take Beracha. She has uh, you know, open, open, open policy. Betzamit, and, and if you get thirsty, normally the Anim get thirsty, Okay, there's a, there's a water fountain at the end of the field. Go to the public water fountain. They don't let the anim in the clubhouse. The clubhouse, only the members go to the clubhouse. You know, for a drink. For a... Go to where the kelim are, where the vessels are, where the bar is. Now she gets a, a pass to the, uh, you know, for the, uh, for the happy hour. You'll drink where my people drink. You're not going to drink with the with the bourgeoisie, with, with the folk. Look at this. Who knows what he saw in the root? Now, Boaz, by the way, he wasn't 18 years old. So it's not like, it's okay, he's looking for a wife. According to the Midrash, maybe he was in his, uh, he was in his hundreds. Wow. You believe it? So he was about 300, they say. But, yeah. He was, still, uh, he was still standing vertical, so that, uh, you know, he was alive, he was healthy. So he was at, and, and he knew that there was a tikkun of something had to be done, and he had good eyes, and he saw that there's something big in this neshama over here. So right away, he's giving her the right courtesy. Right away, she falls in front of him. And she, she bows in the proper respect. Why are you showing me favoritism? Which means I'm a stranger. You don't even, you don't even know me. What, 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 did I do to, what did I do to deserve this over here? So she's saying two things. Number one, I didn't do anything to deserve this. And number two, how do you even know me? How could you know anything? Oh, I got the reports. I saw all that you did for your mother-in-law. I heard about your husband dying. Boaz was on the WhatsApp chat. He got the, uh, he got the report from the, all the people that were there. And he said, I heard everything you did to your mother-in-law. You had every uh, reason to go back home. You didn't. And the pursuits of ta'azbi abikh ve'imech. You left your mother and father's house. Ve'eris molatech. And you left your birthplace. Ve'telechi el'am asher lo yada'at temul shilchom. You moved to a nation that you don't know them from today or yesterday. And the rabbis of the Gemara learned, you moved to a nation asher lo yada'at. That not only you don't know them, but they are not going to know you. Because you're mo'aviyah. So you took a bigger risk over here. You went to a nation that doesn't recognize people like you. But in order to be with your mother-in-law, so Boaz is saying, I have great respect for the chesed, for the chesed that you did. And then he gives her the classic blessing. Now listen how this blessing goes. Yishalem Hashem pa'olech. God should pay you for your actions. Pa'olech, your deeds. And your maskurtech, your reward, maskurtech from Sakhar, your payment should be complete. Ma'im Hashem from the good Lord, the God of Israel, that you came to seek shelter under his wings. Dear ladies, this pasuk over here is so uh, precise. 
He's giving her two blessings. Yishalem Hashem pa'olech. Utim maskurtech. Shalema. What is pa'olech and what is maskurtech? It's two different items. Listen to the Malbim. When a person is hired to do a specific job, so he's rewarded for the job that he did. It's a specific job. Paint the house. He paints the house, you get paid. That's Yeshalem Hashem Pa'olech. Ruth did specific good deeds. She took care of her mother-in-law and she was a Baal Chesed. That's something which is finite. So he says, Yeshalem Hashem Pa'olech. The kindness that you did, that's an action. It's a, it's a pe'ula. And for a pe'ula, Yeshalem Hashem Pa'olech, God should pay you for the deed. But then there's Maskutech. Mazem Maskutech. I hire you now for the for a long job, for a year. Now you're not a daily worker anymore, but now you're a long-haul worker. You're a schir yom or schir shana. I'm hiring you for, the, for, for a big, big job. And therefore, you get paid every day even before you finish the job. A po'el, once he finishes the job, he gets paid. But a worker that's working for a long time, he gets paid every day, even before he finishes the job. When it comes to your conversion, this is a long job you accepted, up to 613 mitzvot. And therefore, God will reward you, maskutech. This is going to be a reward that you're going to be receiving even before you finish. Just the fact that you accept it upon yourself, the 613 mitzvot, God will consider it as if you fulfill those mitzvot, and therefore in your long-term uh, acceptance of the Tariyak mitzvot, Yeshalem Hashem, Utim Maskurtech, that's in the long-term uh, job that you accepted, it should be complete. That God should reward you for all the mitzvot, even though you didn't fulfill them yet, the fact that you accepted them upon yourself, already it should be, just like somebody accepts upon themselves to build a house, he gets paid even before he builds the house because it's a long project, he's got to live. So therefore, the fact that you accept it upon yourself, Tanyag, your maskurtech will be, Shelema will be complete. But Tomer, so she comes along and answers back, You have brought me a great, great consolation. What does it mean you have given me great consolation? The fact that you told me I can come here whenever I want. Now I don't have to worry where am I going to go tomorrow to collect. You're giving me white glove uh, service. And therefore, I didn't know what I was going to eat. When my husband died, he left me destitute. Nihamtani. Nihamtani means in your generosity of money, you have you comforted me. Hazita Almana, she doesn't know where she's going to live. All her life she was relying on her husband. And now her husband doesn't give her Panasa. So where is she going to get money from? Where is she going to get there? She doesn't have a job. She never went to work. She, she, she's used to receiving from her husband. Now she gets to this place over there and uh, now me and Ruth are figuring out where we're going to go collect from. So she thinks now every day she has to find another field uh, with, a, with a basket. And when Boaz comes along and says, no, 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 you come here every day and there's a special pass. They know who you are. Uh, don't worry. You'll never be hungry. So she thanks him by saying, Look at this. The zikhut of Boaz, what he did to this widow. To show you the tzaddikim. He identified uh, this widow and how careful he was to make sure that she's, uh, she's protected, she's set up. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful. And this is one of the reasons why we read this story on Shavuot time. Because we want to tell our members we received the Torah. And when you ask most people, tell me something about the Jewish Torah. Right away they'll tell you, Shabbat, they're right. Kippur, for sure. Sukkot, kosher food, don't Right away those are the you know, major mitzvot. But Megillat Ruth comes and tells you, and our Torah also has another side. When God gave the tablets, there was another side. And that other side was all man to man. 
And therefore, Torah is about taking care of widows. The Torah is about uh, taking care of your mother-in-law. Uh, the Torah is taking, about taking care of the needy. Boaz is giving tzedakah to the aniyim, making sure. He, he, he didn't have to follow that law. It's his field. He could say, I know aniyim invited. But Boaz followed the law of the Torah. And what does the law of the Torah say? If God gave you blessing, you have to leave the corners for the poor people. You have to leave the, 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 the things that are forget. So the whole Megillat root is talking about one, one mitzvah. Chesed ben Adam nahavero. Every single part of the story is somebody doing a kindness for somebody else. And that's why we read it on Shavuot so you don't forget that this story is a major chilek of the Torah. Not to forget the human side of the Torah. Uh, Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, who was one of the great masters of Musar, every year he would take his students for matzah baking. And one year he couldn't make it. So they went to the Rav and they said, you know, the, we know the Rav can't make it this year, but could you tell us some of the stringencies that we should be careful to make sure that the matzot are going to be of the highest kashrut? And he said, yes. He says, be very careful. The ladies that need the dough, a lot of them are widows. Make sure you don't scream at them. He says, because that's a sin from the Torah. All the other stringencies that you're going to do, uh, technicalities that are humrot, but torturing and tormenting a widow is a sin from the Torah. And we don't want a matzot to have in it the sin of tormenting a widow. But if you see how careful the tzaddikim, they didn't lose sight of the, of the human. And I will remind you that we received the Torah on another day. Shavuot is one day. But we also received the Torah on, Shavu, on, on Yom Kippur. Because on Shabbat Abitamuz, when the tablets came down, Moshe broke them. We got the second set, which is the keepers, on Kippur. And what's the haftarah that we read on Yom Kippur? When you will see a poor man that needs clothes, make sure you clothe him. And when you hear the, the yatom, the orphan crying out, make sure you listen. And when you see somebody hungry, make sure you feed him. And do not deprive your family member of arms and of necessities that they need. And then God says, you think I care if you fast? I don't need your fast. Take care of the impoverished. Take care of the underdog. The one that's in captivity, release them. The one that's in prison, try to speak to their captors to release them. Uh, don't hide yourself. The whole Haftarah Yom Kippur is talking about what? Be nice to your fellow. And that's the same thing. On both days of Matan Torah, the Torah has to remind the Jew of the, of the primary side of the Torah or, or a primary side of the Torah. And therefore she says, Yechamtani. As a widow, you have given me great comfort. Now I know where to get my parnasah. Which means you have accepted my conversion. This is very important. What's a shifha? Shifha is a maidservant. In the olden days, maidservants were not like today you have a maid. The maids that you have are not Jewish. You don't want them to be Jewish. They're Jewish, then you can, they can't do anything for you on Shabbat or the other days of the week. You, you whatever, Goya. But in the olden days, when the person would bring a shifha into the house, you had to convert them. So the shifha Kenanit was Jewish. They didn't understand. They took the shifha, they threw it in the mikveh. That's it. Once she's in the mikveh, she's Jewish. Once she gets freed, she's a full-fledged Jewish lady. She has to cover her hair. She has to walk around like a regular girl. Finished. So therefore, Ruth is saying, I appreciate you have treated me that means you recognize that just like your shifahot are converted, you accept me as well. You, you know how important this is? Boaz could have came along and said, uh, listen, uh, I'm the chief rabbi of the generation. Uh, I don't even know who converted you. It's quasi, it's questionable. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you, 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 we, don't, we, don't, we don't recognize. So she comes along, I thank you, you're treating me with the same status as your shifahot. Just like you accepted the conversion of your shifahot, you've accepted my conversion as well. And then she makes a humble statement. She says, and I am not even worthy to be one of your shifahot. She says, I'm not even worthy to be one of your shifahot. And you treat me. You hear what a lady's saying? I'm less than your maids. I don't deserve this, this, this courtesy. 
ladies and gentlemen, ladies and ladies, not gentlemen here today, except me. This is the first date. All this conversation, Boaz is interviewing Ruth's responses, the way she answers back. She's a humble girl. No, I'm not even one of your maidservants that you give me all this courtesy. Nihamtani. Boaz is interviewing. This is not Stam. Now is lunchtime. What does Boaz tell her? Goshi halom. Goshi meaning come close. Halom over here. Sit next to me. And you will eat from the bread. He gave her a whole loaf. And that was a big thing because a lady cannot eat a whole loaf of bread. Knowing what? She could take the leftovers home. Somebody comes along and says, here, take this. What do you do with it? It's yours. Do whatever you want with it. You take a little bite. You're not appreciating any of it, ladies. I can see from your faces you're not appreciating it. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like there was a kinyan already. Almost. Almost. He, he didn't make a dushin yet, but it's, it's going to happen in any minute. Yeah, yeah, that's just, it's a, it's a gift. It's a, you know, it's a gift. Not, a, not even swanny. It's, it's a gift before the marriage. But, but my point is, I know some of you are saying, he gives her a loaf of bread. Yeah, a big shot, he gives her a loaf of bread. But you don't understand. For Ruth, this, this loaf of bread over here is a life, it's a life. Because you're saying, bread, go home, you have bread, you have crackers, you have bread, you have ice cream, you have, you have a million items in your closet, oh, you have bread. By the way, ladies, it's, uh, I want to, I'm, I'm a very generous person, please, on the way out, everybody, I brought everybody a pita, please, I mean, I take a whole one, please, take a whole one. Don't do me a favor, keep your bread, don't, don't do me any favors. But you have to understand over here, Ruth, it's the first time he saw her, she's aniyah, she has nothing, and now all of a sudden you give her this girl who doesn't know what she's going to eat, she's not worried about herself, she's worried about Naomi, a mother-in-law. Hundred percent. He knows who's home. Hundred percent. I heard exactly what he did to your mother-in-law. That's my family, and therefore here's a whole loaf of bread over there, and I'm giving you the whole loaf. He could have said, "Take, take what you need." With the whole loaf comes a bag. Comes a bag. So now she has all this stuff that she's taken. She next she was able to take anything she wanted. Betabalt bitich bahomets, and they had you know dips. Today dips is a big item. They had dips in those days too. Dip it in the, in the garlic mayo or in the chimichurri, whatever they had on the table over there. Which means, he's telling her, I want you to eat with dipping. Which means what? When you eat with dipping, that means you're not rushing. Normally, once you start dipping, that means you sit. You don't have to run back. Sit with us, dip. She was embarrassed to sit in front of with Boaz. So she sat on the side of the of the workers. And he gave us some, you know, roasted wheat to eat. She ate. She was satiated. That's the key word. There was leftovers. And that's by design. Leftovers, good. Take the leftovers. We don't want, we don't want to, we don't want, we don't want to, we don't want to throw anything away. Now, this is very significant. Halakha, I'm going to teach you now. If you have a minute, I can teach you one halakha. That the Malbim brings from this uh, story. What happens when a person eats uh, bread, the shi'ur? You have to make Birkat Amazon. Birkat Amazon is a mitzvah from the Torah, by the way. Mitzvah from the Torah to make Birkat Amazon. However, the Gemara says that if you're a worker, you're allowed to have a lunch break. The boss cannot tell you. You can't have a lunch break. We're not, we're, not, uh, we're not animals. We have to eat. Even animals have to eat, by the way. So the boss has no right to tell his worker, you have to work eight hours straight and uh, there's no eating time. There's no eating time. Even if we can have a five-minute coffee break, uh, how am I going to work? Fine. However, the worker is able to sit on the side, have a tuna fish sandwich very quickly, <coughs> and then he's exempt from making the full birkat amazon. You know why? Because the full Birkat Amazon takes a long time to say. So they have a special abridged version of Birkat Amazon, not for the ladies, not for the wise guys, 
abridged version for the workers because we don't want you to waste time from the employer's uh, uh, job, which is a very, very big hadush over here. I would have said, hey, I'm not playing uh, on my computer. I'm making a big Amazon. And how long does it take? By the way, even if you had the kavanot of the rashash, how long does it take to make a big Amazon? Five minutes? Yeah, five minutes every day. It's five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. Every day eating a two different sandwich, that's 10 hours a year making Birkat Amazon. <laughs> that's two days of work. I'm not paying you to make, I'm not paying you to make Birkat Amazon. Go become a rabbi if you want to make Birkat Amazon all day long. You, went, you, you became a worker. So therefore the hachamim said, it's a sin to steal from the employer's time, even for religious behavior. <laughs> you believe what I'm telling you? That means today you have somebody that works in the office and he tells his boss... Uh, downstairs at 4.30 is Minyan for Minha. The boss has every right to tell him, I don't pay you to pray Minha. When you get home at 7 o'clock, go to Shul, pray Minha. Well, every day you're going to take 15 minutes to pray Minha. Now, in the winter, he can't tell him that. Because in the winter, if he doesn't pray Minha at 4.30, he's going to miss it. You cannot stop him. But what happens? This case happened to me. Two of the members of our congregation came, Rabbi, I want to talk to you. One's the boss, one's the worker. The worker says, I have a claim against my boss. And he tells me in the following way, and I know the rabbi's going to agree with me. Don't, 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 don't pressure me how I'm going to agree with that. Tell me the case first before you tell me you're a prophet. That's the way he's trying to persuade. And I know you're going to agree with me. So I said, okay, you'll, you'll know in one minute if I agree with you or not, but already you upset me because you're trying to tilt my opinion. Anyway, what happens? What does he say? He says, every day, it's the winter. Every day we have a minyan in the office. Good. And I go down to pray mincha. He doesn't have to give me permission, right? I can pray. You're good so far. You pray mincha. And they pray mincha narbit. When I pray arbit with them. And his claim is, what do you have to pray arbit for? Pray arbit when you come home. You can pray arbit all night. And I'm telling him, it's a difference. It's 10 minutes and I'm there already. I want to pray arbit together. And my answer, of course, is, you're wrong. You're wrong twice. You're wrong for praying Arbit and you're wrong thinking that I was going to agree with you. Your boss is right 100%. Why? He's not paying you to pray Arbit. But I'm praying. He's going to become a rabbi. I'll join the kolel. you pray all day long. I'm going to pay you. We'll pay you $50 a month to pray Arbit. But in the meantime now, you're being paid to sell widgets. So go sell widgets. We're not paying you to pray a 10-minute Amidah. It's a very, very important point. So here in the field, Halakha says, unless the boss is sitting with you. If the boss is sitting with the workers, that's an indication that he's saying, don't worry, I'm with you. So Boaz was sitting with the workers. So therefore, the Pasuk says, they were sitting slowly, they were dipping, they had time to eat, it's a different, and they were able to make the Merkat Amazon. After lunch, what a day she's having. What a day. This is all in one day, by the way. It's an unbelievable day. See, the Sadiqim, the first date was in public. With all the people around. She's see, but he's watching how she reacts, how she looks, how she eats. All these things we judge. My son, Boaz ibn Arab, then he tells the people, Let her collect in between. Which means even though it doesn't belong to the Anayim, that section. Let her go in between the stalks, let her take, and don't embarrass her. Which means don't ask her and tell her this is not for us, you're not allowed to take it. Just close your eyes, let her do whatever she wants. Unbelievable story. I want you to forget on purpose. The law is whatever the farmer forgets, she could take. When you see her behind you, I want you to forget on purpose. Make believe you forgot it. In order that she can, she can pick it up. Shulta shuluna. Shulta means forget for her. Just leave it. And don't chastise her. Don't, don't rebuke her. She collected until evening. It's a long day. And she just gathered up everything that she collected. Vatahbot means uh, uh, means she threshed. 
because she doesn't want to take home all this wheat and barley. So you bang it and you just get the, the kernels. Otherwise, you have to take. So she, she banged everything out. She banged it. It's a lot of work for a lady. By the way, and I guarantee you, she never did this before. The princess doesn't do batahbot. The princess is there. She has a, uh, the chefs that do this for her. She doesn't need, she never, I guarantee she never even saw a kernel. What a kernel of wheat looks like. Just like our kids, they show them a kernel of wheat. What is this over here? They never saw it. They only know what a donut looks like. She already seen things she never did. And the pasuk says, Vayhi ke'efa se'urim. Ke'efa se'urim. You know what Efa Se'urim is? Efa Se'urim. How can I tell you Efa Se'urim? Let's see if I can figure it out for you. The Omer that they collected every day, the man, it says the man that they collected every day in the Midbar, it's Vehaman Asirita Efa. The man was one-tenth of an ifah. One-tenth of an ifah is 43.5 bitsim. Now you know what it is? No, okay. Doesn't help you? A bitsah is about two ounces. So 43 bitsim is 43 times two. So it's about 86 ounces of bread. That's the man. Every day the man fell. You got 80, a lot of bread, by the way. 86 ounces? I mean, you, you know better than me, ladies. What, 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 how much ounces of bread? A pita is like two ounces. So that means the man, you got about 40 of them. That's a lot, 40 pita. But that's one-tenth of an ifa. She collected that day in a full ifa. That's 10 times that. So 400 pitot. So she came home with a bakery. She came home with a... Like, you went to the What is this over here? What is this over here? We never saw so much bread over here. How much can we eat? It's only two people. So the bazooka, but tisa, but tisa meaning she had to carry it. They didn't have, uh, uh, you know, Uber, Uber Eats. Sharutam, exactly. And she came home. She saw... What she collected, and she also took out the leftovers of lunch. Wait, there's more. Here's bread. Here's all the nuts that he gave us. Here's all the, all the other stuff, the dessert, the dips, the garlic, the, the, the vinegar. And we'll just finish with this pasuk over here. Where did you go today? When you robbed the bank? Where did you go today? We, we never saw so much food like this over here. She couldn't understand. Um, she thought, the Malbim says, she thought she went to work. She said, this is not, Anin, don't come home with this stuff. You must have got a job. So she says, You must have started collecting. And then somebody must have hired you, so therefore, the ana asit. Asit means where did you work? Melashon asiya. You must have gotten a job. Ana asit. I don't know who, who you went to, but the one that gave you such a salary for one day's work, you should be blessed. This is the story. She tells her husband, what she did. For him. Go slow, go slow. It ashir aseta imo. It should say, it ashir asa oto ima. Ladies, ladies. Who did for who? Boaz did. But she reverses it. She says, and she told the mother in law, it ashir aseta imo. What she did with him. She did nothing with him. Well, what, what Ruth did to Boaz. She's saying, and she told the mother what she did to Boaz. She did nothing to Boaz. She received everything from Boaz. And from here the Kibbara learns a great lesson. Kibbara learns a great lesson. That what? When a person gives tzedakah, who's really doing for who? 
which means yes, yes, Boaz, you did a great thing. You gave her, you gave her a hundred dollars worth of pita. Okay, Hazak Baruch. So, but what? <laughs> the fact that she received it, what does Boaz get for that? Olamaba. So who got more from this charity? So who did who a favor? Ruth actually, and the Gemara learns, more than the rich man does for the poor man, the poor man does for the rich man. So therefore, you shouldn't think, oh, I helped you. No, that means she understood. She understood. It means this is a religious lady now talking, she understands Olam It asetai more. says, I was able to have the zikhut to give him more than he gave me. And also, I understand your question, she knew that Naomi was a little proud. She didn't want to ask Boaz of any money. And she said, don't worry. She didn't, this is not charity. We did charity to him. Now she'll eat from it. And the step, because Naomi originally said, no, no, we're not asking him. We'll go ourselves. And she said, don't worry. We did a favor to Boaz because I was able to give him Olam What did he give us for his Olam Abba? A couple of pito. Tomer. And then she says, guess what his name is? Shema'isha shir asite imo hayom bo'az. Now, we're going to end here. Ruth did not know that Boaz was related. The, the text told us that. But Boaz never told Ruth, ah, Naomi, that's my first cousin. He just said, I heard everything that you did to your mother-in-law. Even though normally a daughter-in-law and mother-in-law don't get along, that's the Gemara says that. I, I, it's not my opinion. The Gemara says that. And still, you did that for your mother-in-law. You took care of her. You did that and all that. So now she's going to say, and the guy's name—I don't know—seems like, seems like a nice fellow. His name is Boaz, and she's going to say, "My gosh, Boaz! That's where you landed. That's the guy. That, what are the odds? Ten thousand fields, and you landed it." And he was there that day. He never comes to work. He came to work that day. Not only that, I had lunch with him. Not only that, he gave me VIP pay. Now ready. Now me seeing. She's one day back in town. And Hashkah is with her. Very strong. You always have to follow the direction of the mazal. And when she left, Eretz Yisrael, her mazal was going south. Anything that could go wrong went wrong. She's not back for one day all of a sudden you start to see that the energy is going right. She landed in the right field. Boad was there. She got VIP. Ruth is happy. The money is... So now already, at this point, takes a, a turn, and now you're going to start to see the mechanisms of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, His infinite wisdom, is going to bring Mashiach into the world in such a, in such a stunning way. So we'll hold over here.